Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Jesus called together his disciples. And he said, You know that the rulers in this world, and even there Jesus is making a distinction between this world and another, that these rulers lord it over their people. And I always thought that was an interesting term, to lord it over, right? It has some really strong overtones to it. And the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Rank, class, power, position, prestige, all very real in the world. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the key phrase that I want you to remember and to memorize and to write down um, and to just, you know, absolutely never let this idea leave your head is this, but among you it will be different. Today, I want to challenge you to do something. I want you to, to be the difference. That's, that's what I want to challenge you to do, to be the difference. And in Mark 8.35, Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. <clears throat> I, think, I think in Christianity we radically underplay this whole life-losing business. I think we make Christianity not only tame and safe, uh, but also very controllable. And, um, and in, in that way, we, we really end up with something not Christianity at all. I don't know what we end up with. I guess just, just human religion. But the reality is that in, in the Christian life, we have to give up our whole life. That's the whole purpose of the cross. The cross was not merely Jesus setting an example, although it was. Uh, it was the full death uh, of, of Jesus giving his life, the full measure of sacrifice, his blood shed for our sins. Uh, it was our redemption, but it was also our invitation, and not just metaphorically. And, and so sometimes I think when we think about this cross thing, we think about things like, you know, so okay, I'm going to be better or try harder. But it's, it's kind of insipid in the sense that it ends up with us praying things like this. Okay, God, I'm going to give up. Okay, Lord, I'm, I will give up bank robbing for the rest of my life. Well, okay, I don't know about you, but I have not had a particular temptation to rob banks. It's not been a particular issue. So, but it's the deeper stuff. And, and, and then sometimes we'll say, okay, well, okay, so there's obvious sins that I know I'm not supposed to do and some desires that I'm not supposed to follow, so I'll, 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 I'll kind of turn away from some of those things. But, but the closer you go to the core, uh, the more heat is there. 
Um, the, the deeper you go in your heart, the more desire is there. The farther you go into your mind, the more set your opinions are and the more strongly you feel about them and hold them and are sure that they are right. And what Jesus is saying to all of that is, no, 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 if you keep your life in any way, in any shape, in any form, if you demand control, if you insist on living your way, following your desires, um, trying to follow your vision of how life should be, because deep down inside of you, every one of us has this, this vision we think we're owed of what life should look like. And, and the more closely you get to that vision, the deeper the desires are, the more tightly we hold on to them, and the less likely we are to let go of them. But Jesus is saying, no, all of this to the deepest desire in your heart, what you think you must have for the foundation of your life to, to work, you have to let go of. For me and for the mission, for the gospel. And so, so, the reality is that who we serve is who they see. And who they see impacts who gets saved. And when you serve yourself, you lose your life. And, and at all different levels. When, when you insist in your marriage that, that I am owed, and then you fill in the blank, things should be this way, and then you, you cast your vision, you're losing your God-given life. You're losing the resurrected possibility of a God-created life that is wholly other and wholly more than what you could self-create. You lose all that, everything. Sometimes it's a, it's a 90 mile an hour slam into a brick wall. Other times it's a slow leak to death, but it's, it's the same end. Satan doesn't care. But if you serve Jesus, you multiply your life. Can you see the difference between a kept life and a given life? See, the secret is that saved people, they... You almost made me wonder if it was a secret. Saved people, they what? That's what they do because their, their life has been transformed. And the reality is that your everyday life has eternal influence everywhere you go. This world has its own way of being. It is a way of being driven by self-interest. And, and this world has a way of, of casting significance and framing significance. And we buy into that. And, and what we miss is the kingdom of God that has invaded the world and reshaped everything, recast everything, turned things right side up and, and inside out and, and just surprised us. And so that, so that we don't need fame to be significant. We don't need the attention of other human beings to, to live out of the joy of the full attention of, of a holy God and a loving Father. We can live our lives every moment knowing believing, celebrating that they have full eternal impact that throughout the ages will echo to the glory of God. A 10 billion years from now, there will still be celebrated acts of courage and faith, service, the, the, the selflessness of, of a life traded, 
a life that, that is going to be uh, you know, rewarded with a, a six-foot grave, uh, traded for a life that is rewarded with eternity. All of the little things that we do throughout all of life under the watchful gaze of an almighty God, it's going to be celebrated to His glory forever and ever. And when you believe that, you live differently. When you believe that, you, your life just gets a little bit bigger, even in the small 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says this. But thanks be to God. Paul's always thanking God in hard circumstances. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives. That's not necessarily a, a very thankful position. <laughs> Lead as captives. In the Roman world, when um, a, a nation or tribe would be uh, captured, they would be chained. And sometimes, honestly, there would be hooks put in people and they would be paraded through the streets of Rome as captives. And here's Jesus, uh, once again, inspiring Paul to turn human values completely upside down, taking what is the most shameful parade into, into the most glorious. Thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession <laughs> and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Who does He use? And, and us is also me, right? So don't just think that God's going to use other people, you know? He's going to use the good people. He's going to use the people who have sinned less than me. He's going to use the people less broken than me. He's going to use, he's going to use the people who've got it all together. Well, there aren't any of those. No, he's, who He's going to use are people who will give their lives to Him and who will let Him redeem them, and, and He will use them to... Spread the knowledge of Him. I love this phrase, the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. When I, uh, when I think back uh, as a child, one of the aromas that I love uh, to smell, um, and it brings back memories every time that I, I, I smell it, is honeysuckle in Oklahoma. Um, it's summer nights, um, you know, we would be playing in the yard or playing hide-and-seek or... or you know, riding our bikes in the fields at night, and, and, and the scent of honeysuckle would just fill the air in, in Oklahoma. We uh, camped at Glacier National Park, and, um, you know, I didn't think there'd be bears, but there were <laughs> lots of them. And there was a thing called a bear paw. It was a plant. It was just this kind of I don't know, you can tell how botanical I am. It's this green thing with a puffy thing. <laughs> That's the technical Latin terms. You all laugh, but look it up. <laughs> You'll find I just made it up. And, and the bear paw just has this scent and aroma that is just amazing. It is more like heaven than any. I'm pretty convinced that when I get to heaven, at least my little section is going to have the smell of bear paws. It's just astonishing. When I was in Baylor, I sat in a carol for eight hours a day or so between, you know, other work and, and researching and writing and stuff, and, and I have an attention span of about four to six minutes, so you can see how many times I'd have to start over during the day, you know, and I'm sitting there in my carol one day looking for a reason to be distracted, and, and, and all of a sudden, this, this kind of wind walks by. You know when somebody walks by and you can kind of feel the movement of the air, and it was just this... And it was not a perfume. Sometimes, you know, perfume is like overwhelming. And, but this was like, 
oh my, my goodness, that's amazing. And I looked up and I, I saw no one there, but I knew there must have been somebody, you know. And, and it was this just kind of this mystical movement and this just kind of pleasant awakening for a moment. It's like, that is you. That is you being the difference. That is you as the aroma of, of Christ, spreading the knowledge of him everywhere. Verse 15 says, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ um, among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. And to the one with the aroma that brings death, to the other the aroma that brings life. And, and we understand that not everybody is going to get it. Some people will see the beauty of Christ, the intrigue of Christ, and, and they will be repelled. But, but to those who, who are truly broken open, they will smell the scent of God. And like a bloodhound, they will be on it for life. Because the God who created us is life. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has said eternity in the hearts of each one of us. And so amidst all of our broken and our sad, amidst all of our, uh, you know, the beat down we've experienced in life and our wounding, there is something inside of us that longs for joy, that longs for awe and wonder. And, and there's something inside of us that knows that all the fulfillment of everything that we're longing for is in the Creator God. And when, when something sparks that, the Holy Spirit begins a work of revelation in us and, and it all begins with a given life that's living the difference and being a servant. So I want to share with you that serving is revelation. It is the scent of another world. When we, when we live um, lives that are uh, just spreading the aroma of Christ in our marriages, when we don't have to live in, in, in the garbage of, of the, 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 the hellishness of this world, when, when we let Jesus meet our need and we become servants, the aroma of Christ wells up in us and, and there is a difference through us. Serving is revelation. It means that people saw things one way, then they see them another. They see something new. The curtain is pulled back and something is revealed for them now to consider. A truth now seen that was unseen. That's revelation. It is divine. It is supernatural. And its point is always Jesus. And through service, people get the scent of another world. I want to tell you the story of PFC Desmond T. Doss. The story is told in the movie Hacksaw Ridge. He's the only CO or conscientious objector to that time who's, who's ever won the Medal of Honor. He refused, as a very faithful Adventist, he refused to handle a rifle uh, in basic training. You can imagine how that went over. He was beaten in the barracks. He was ostracized. He was called a coward. Um, he was made fun of. Uh, he was brought before a court-martial. Um, everything in the, the world 
uh, applied uh, in terms of pressure to change him was applied and he would not change. And he answered his call to be a medic. And, and, and going towards Okinawa, towards this battle on Hacksaw Ridge, he was rejected and ostracized, considered a coward and perhaps even a traitor who didn't love his country. And then in a day and a night, as the Marines were pushed off of this Hacksaw Ridge, a cliff that looks like the White Cliffs of Dover, um, repeatedly the Marines assaulted and were pushed back and assaulted and were pushed back. And each time they were pushed back, they had to leave their, their wounded on the field. And, and he stayed as everybody else left the field and climbed down the rope ladder um, to, to the beach. He stayed on the ridge. And in the evening and through the night, he lowered and saved 75 People, skinny little Doss. And because of his service, he was seen differently. I want you to imagine in what you're about to see. I want you to imagine how the men saw him in the barracks when they were beating him and compare it to how they saw him after his service. Can you see the difference? They could. So why don't more people see the difference? Why don't they see the rightness and the intrigue of Jesus? Well, the Scripture tells us really clearly in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Satan is the God of this world, little g. He, he is the ultimate terrorist. He is the, the first deceiver. He is, he is a force that, that is at work in the world that most of us don't even pay attention to. We ignore the intelligence behind the distraction towards Jesus. And, and they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So don't be surprised. Don't feel alone. Am I, you know, whenever we're alone, you know, we're such social creatures, we're wondering, did I do something wrong? You know, like, like the worship leader says, stand, and you're the only one stand, then you're looking around going, what, what, Am I, you know, did I stand at the wrong time? No, 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 no. The reason that the rest of the world doesn't believe is because they're blinded. They need revelation. They need to see. There needs to be something pulled back so that they can, they can see what they're not seeing now. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who's the exact likeness of the God, uh, or like, exact likeness of God. In our serving, we counter the blinding work of hell. When we serve, when we live the Jesus difference, they see the Savior. Do you, do, you, do you get it? Do you understand? When we serve, they see. And, and, and that's the, the key to, to the gospel coming alive in the 21st century. It's the same as in the first century. From the moment the, the angels reveal the glory of Christ's birth and, and the shepherds in the field by night went and saw Jesus, they, they left saying, let us go tell everybody what we have seen and heard. In the 21st century, people need to see and hear the gospel of the glory of Christ. They need revelation. See, we live in a broken and misshaped and totally twisted world that is utterly blind to its creator. And we're all driven by a desire to, to seek ourselves, not God. 
It's a world in which the, the kingdom of earth is all about living a carefully kept life. Mark 8.35, if you keep your life. And that's what we do. We protect ourselves. We, we want to keep our vision of, of what life should look like. We want to, we want to carefully um, you know, guard what's ours. And, and you know, it, it, it's this whole kind of eggshell around us kind of a life to keep others out and, and to make sure that we're in possession of what we need to live. But in the kingdom of heaven, that's just crazy death talk. Because the, the, the kingdom of heaven is all about living a given life. The kingdom of earth is driven by self-seeking. The kingdom of heaven is driven by self-giving. The kingdom of, of, of earth is all about self-serving. The kingdom of heaven is all about serving the interest of Jesus. And guys, I want to tell you something that, that hurts my heart to even have to say. And that is that the world is Christ-blind because the church serves itself more than it serves the world. We are a people uh, who, who are the undead. We, we will not die. We hold on to our lives and won't give them away. We, we are so busy. We are, we are so, you know, on pursuit of, of looking after this self-created life that, that we won't let go and give up and, and surrender and offer our lives to God and trust that He's got our interests well served, beautifully and infinitely and eternally served, and that we are free God, the, the, guys, the 21st century is, is, is too much a consumer-oriented, me-first church. And, and we're most deeply concerned about me and my needs. That is not the heart of Jesus. That is not the heart of a believer. In fact, it's not even a true church. The real church of Jesus, the body of Christ, is among the broken. The body of Christ is binding up the broken wounds. It's raising up the fallen. The body of Christ is out with those who are the least of these. Matthew 25, 40. And as much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. But the church that is all about uh, just the gathering, the church that's all about just the meeting of me and my family needs, the church that's all about me and my comfort, what I want is no church at all. And there is no revelation in it. Nothing supernatural, nothing divine, nothing powerful, nothing that can get people's attention because there was something otherworldly about it. You see, serving is revelation. When, when you serve and you're running counter to the way of the world, I mean, the way of the world is all about me. Even opening the door for somebody. Have you ever, have you ever opened the door for somebody and had them just be surprised? You know, you open the door and somebody's surprised that you didn't rush in, you know, and have one of those movie moments where your shoulders are both hitting, you know. Or how about this? Rev revolution. Somebody needs over and you let them get over. Oh my gosh, you just blew their mind, you know. How did that happen? You kept your peace. How things are in the body of Christ is, is revealed in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. And there the scripture says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. I want to introduce to you a theology of interests. 
and ask you whose interests are you interested in serving? Until you're dead and given your life to Christ and then made alive, you are going to live a life of open or veiled self-serving. It's all going to be about you. But when you die and you get raised to live a new life, it's no longer about you, it's about Jesus. And you don't look down from insecurity on other people and less than, like the world does, ranking people, um, you know, lording it over, uh, flaunting your authority that you have over people. No, 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 you're a servant in the footsteps of Jesus. For the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give His life. And the same mission Jesus had, you have, to give your life. Guys, I'm telling you, serving is, is revelational. It is It is you and I being the scent of heaven. It is you and I doing something that's so counterintuitive in other people's lives that they just, they stop and they pause and they're intrigued because they've just gotten touched by Jesus, but Jesus was in your skin with your hands. Jesus spoke beautiful words of healing and hope through your voice and he used your gifting. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking out for your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And then in Philippians chapter 2, Paul goes on to say this, your attitude should be the same as that of, of Jesus Christ. And then there's this hymn, this psalm that, that is to the praise of, of the glory of God. This reveals, that, you know, it's just a celebration of Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 6 says, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. He he was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth to the glory of God the Father. (laughs) That's the church. When we take on the humility of Jesus and we live it in a a serving fashion and and we we are the aroma of of the love of God in a a garbage-strewn world. There's something different about it. Can you see the difference? The tragedy is that, again, the church is more interested typically in serving itself than serving the world. And and so you skip down just a few verses to chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 21, and, and Paul has just told us what the body of Christ truly is and then he reflects on the church at Philippi uh, uh, of what it actually is and he says this, sadly, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That's not the church. That's a a group of religious consumers. It's a group of self-centered, unsaved or carnal people, but it's not the church of the living God. Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, you and I have to decide how authentically we're going to live our lives. You have to make up your mind whether your life is going to be spent on time or spent for eternity. We have to decide whether or not we're going to be like Jesus, servants of the living God, revealers of the love of God, or whether we're just going to try to use a little patina of religion over our self-centeredness. Guys, we've got to give our lives away. 
We got to be the difference in this broken world. Because, because when we deny ourselves, when we take up our cross, and when we follow Jesus, uh, when our self-interest is crucified and, and, and we are, are changed, everything changes in the lives of others. They get to see and hear Jesus. So I'm, I'm just telling you, as you go to work tomorrow, everybody's going to expect you to be just like them. You're looking out for number one. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to look out for number one, too. Just understand, you're not number one. Jesus. And while the rest of the world is going one way in the flow of self-serving and self-interest, you're going to go another way into serving Jesus. And the world is going to wonder, what is the difference? Every other person who was physically able climbed down that rope. Uh, they, they climbed down that ladder and they they got out of, out of the, the, the realm of danger. He ran into it. We as the church of the living God have a similar decision point that we have to make. Are we going to follow the way of the world, get in the flow of what everybody else is doing, looking out for themselves and, and pursuing self-interest or whether we're going to, to listen for the voice of God? And in those moments of, of confusion in, in life, I don't know what to do, there is God speaking. He's called you to serve. And, 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 and His voice is found, His answer is found in the brokenness of the world around you. Every one of us is called to go into the broken of the world around us, beginning in our families, going into the workplace, our schools, and, and we are called to serve and be the difference, the revelation of God, the aroma of Christ in a broken world. That's our call. If you, if you pass on this, this challenge, your, your life is, is going to be a dumbed-down misadventure. But if you, if you run into the gap, if you take God at His challenge, if you cry out to God with all of your heart and, and, and in confusion, God, I don't know what to do, but then if you hear the, the, the cry of the broken, even when it's muted, and you run towards it, you're going to find Jesus in as much as you've done it unto the least of these. You did it to me. That was me you were touching. If you're looking, if anybody here is looking for an authentic relationship with Jesus, you want to see him. You want to meet him. You'll find him with the broken. You won't find him in your comfort. You won't find him in your convenience. You won't find him in, in the search for a pain-free life. You're going to find him in the cry of the wounded. Serving is looking out for the interest of Jesus in another and the reality is that because Jesus has completely served your interest and my interest, we are free. You have Father's full-time attention every moment, 24-7. The scripture says that God has supplied all of our needs in Christ Jesus. It says that we have everything we need for life and godliness. Every longing of your heart and soul to the depths of your being has been answered in the joy of Jesus. <laughs> And if you and I just believe in Him and turn to Him, all of that, that deep and dark and wound and pain, it all gets answered and filled infinitely to overflowing with His love and joy. And then we're free. 
And we don't have to live an angry life. We don't have to, to be a bully at home. We don't have to be angry at home. We don't have to be selfish at work. We don't have to be, you know, status conscious. We don't have to be greedy. We don't have to be fearful and, and live with a scarcity mentality. We are free to be the difference. And a huge part of believing is believing the dreams that God has for other people. In your old nature, you're going to look at other people, you're going to be critical. You're going to fault find. In your new nature, you're going to look at other people and you're going to dream. In your new nature, you're going to look at other people and you're going to see the worth of Jesus in every life around you, every single life, the infinite awe and wonder and love and compassion and value of, of God proven in the blood of Jesus. And you're going to wonder, what is Jesus doing in their life? How is Jesus working in their life? What does Jesus want to do to redeem them? What is his dream for this person? And how can I be a part of making that happen? We can live our lives looking for our, for our own interests and be the same as the rest of the world and live without any eternal impact and really be sad the whole way home. Or we can live our lives looking out for the interest of Jesus. And we can be the difference that reveals the love of the Father through the life of His amazing Son and the power of His unstoppable Spirit. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and act according to His good purpose. So guys, will you be the difference that reveals Jesus. And I just want to say that one of the mistakes we're not going to make in this journey is sometimes oh, we may inspire, but we don't help you take the next steps. Um, and it's kind of like having a, a lot of horsepower with no drive shaft. Well, we're going we're gonna to help you get the power to the ground and become the servant that God has called you to be. And, and, I, and I just want to say this, with all of the, the next steps that that. The cries of the broken are out there. As a church, we're going to start a halfway house and a rehab center. Why? Because we live in the fourth highest county of opioid addiction in the nation. Oh God, we don't know what to do as a church. We don't know what to do. Well, 118 people died. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Well, you live in the fourth highest county. Medic. If you'll listen, you'll hear the cry of the wounded. And we're going to give you a real clear path to become the difference and change the world. Amen? If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.